Welcome to the SOSV Climate Tech Summit podcast series. I am the AI voice of Ben Joff, a partner at SOSV and co-curator of the summit. In this episode, three founders of startups involved in long-duration energy storage discuss the importance of such technologies in the changing grid and the need for new ways to store energy. Each speaker explains their company's technology and how it fits into the energy system. They also discuss the challenges they have faced in funding their projects and the importance of proving the business case for their technologies. Finally, they highlight the cost competitiveness of renewable energy and the role of energy storage in enabling the transition to a greener future. This conversation is moderated by Casey Crownhart, climate and energy reporter at the MIT Technology Review. Thanks so much. I'm very excited to be here moderating today's panel. Um, renewables like solar and wind are getting cheaper by the year, and they're being built at a pretty rapid clip. A changing grid means there's a growing need for new ways to store energy. Um, now, when you think energy storage, you might think batteries, but that's not the only way to save energy for later, as today's panelists will be the first to tell you. On our panel today to talk about energy storage of all kinds, I'm joined by Kemp Gregory, co-founder and CEO of Renewal Energy, a company using abandoned oil wells and massive weights for gravity-based energy storage. Next up, we have Ramya Swaminathan, CEO of Malta, which is building systems to store energy as heat in molten salt. And finally, I'd like to introduce Claudio Spadaccini, co-founder and CEO of Energy Dome, where they're working on plants that can store energy in compressed carbon dioxide. Kemp, Ramya, Claudio, welcome, and thank you all so much for being here today. Let's get right into it. Um, I'd love to start by having each of you introduce your work in just a bit more detail. Um, there's a million flavors of energy storage, all with a different cost, size, duration, and so on. Uh, so tell us a bit more about your tech and where you see it fitting into the puzzle of our new energy system. Uh, let's start with Ramya. Thanks so much, Casey. It's a pleasure to be here today. Um, so as uh, you mentioned, I'm the CEO of Malta. We are taking electricity from any source and storing it in the form of molten salt on the hot side and a commodity antifreeze fluid on the cold side. And when that energy is needed back on the grid, we reconvert that thermal energy back to electric energy and send it back out to the grid. In terms of the specific niche that we are trying to fill, you can think of us as being a really good solution for a daily or weekly cycle, firming solar, firming wind. And actually a critical need that we fulfill is to replace uh, retiring thermal assets on the grid because we replace the inertia that is being taken off the grid. And then the final point to make is that a byproduct of our system is heat. Um, and so we're able to offer process heat at about 120 degrees C as well as the electricity. That's really a, and a really interesting kind of piece of that. I think a lot of people don't know how huge of a deal process heat is across industries. Let's uh, take it over to Claudio next to tell us a little bit more about Energy Dome. Thank you very much. So great to be here and have the possibility to chat. So we at Energy Dome, we have developed a technology for long duration energy storage. And our sweet spot in storage is between, let's say, eight to 20 hours. So daily storage, is that is our focus so we are uh, mainly focused to store solar pb and wind energy which is available at this very cheap but the 
the issue, as we are discussing today, is how to store in a competitive and cheap way. Our technology, which is compressed CO2 energy storage, is based on all existing off-the-shelf component. And this has been the key of our, let's say, fast development. So we have been able to leverage on existing supply chain. We use turbine, compressor, vessels, heat exchangers, which exist in the supply chain in the oil and gas industry. And we have been able to put together uh, an innovation, which is a process innovation, which is a brand new process battery, which is able to store electricity with very high efficiency at 75 plus around the trip efficiency. And we don't use any kind of uh, rare uh, mineral or material. And we think that this is really the bottleneck in the energy transition. So being able to offer to the market today with a technology which is ready, uh, based on off-the-shelf supply chain, for us is the key to be competitive and to be able to enter into the market today. Thanks. All right, Kemp, round us out. Tell us about Renewell. Yeah, thanks, Casey. Really excited to be here as well. Um, really appreciate this opportunity. Um, Renewell is solving two problems at once. Uh, there's the massive idle and oil, idle and orphan well issue in the United States and Canada that comes out to about $400 billion to clean up. And there's also the, you know, wind and solar simply not matching energy storage demand. Um, so we believe that we can solve both problems at the same time in creating human flourishing without the sacrifice, um, of any downside. And so what we do is we take those idle oil and gas wells and we plug them, monitor them, and then convert them into gravity-based energy storage, wherein we use a regenerative winch to move a weight up and down within the wellbore. And our aim is to install on hundreds of thousands of wellbores to create a very, very flexible profile of dozens, if not hundreds of wells operating in clusters uh, that can be anywhere from one hour to 100 hours of duration, all at a pretty high round trip efficiency of around 80%. Great, thank you. And I, Kemp, I just want to follow up on that. I think you've described this to me before um, about how gravity storage seems like kind of a quirky idea, but actually, if you think about it, it's kind of one of the biggest ways we store energy. Can you just talk about kind of what that looks like today and, and kind of how your system is a little bit different? Yeah, definitely. Um... When people get what we're doing, they're often like, oh, so you're just like pumped hydro, but with steel. And I'm like, yeah, more or less. <laughs> uh, and truth be told, about 95% of the energy storage in the United States today comes from pumped hydro. Um, we're just going to have to add a lot of different types in order to get where we want to go. Um, so yeah, our gravity-based energy storage is, I don't want to say as old as time, but probably pretty close. Uh, <laughs> we're just doing it in a, in a new and innovative way. Absolutely. Okay, so we heard about a lot of very different big ideas, and I want to hear a bit about kind of the challenges that have come up as you've, you know, kind of tried to execute on those and start to build stuff. Um, so, I mean, can you each talk a little bit about that stuff that you've built or, or deployed so far um, and kind of how you've learned along the way as you've taken these from ideas to, to stuff that's actually storing energy on the grid? Um, Claudio, do you want to take that one first? Yes, thanks. So I'm happy to start. So, uh, I, I mean, you know, from our uh, corner, you know, uh, let's remember, we are an Italian based company. So and uh, the company has been uh, uh, incorporated and started at the beginning 2020 
And uh, for us, really, you know, that the access to mark access, let's say, to capital has been a real issue because, you know, venture capital market in Italy is not really, you know, even comparable today to, to, to US, but three years ago, it was really, really early days. So uh, from my perspective, you know, execution of the project has really been always my, let's say, I'm not ever been that worried about that because you know we are just a process innovation using existing supply chain so we have got access to all the equipment that we needed to uh, let's say to build our demonstration commercial project uh, from the day zero so from our perspective really you know the idea uh, the, the the main let's say uh, difficult that we faced during our uh, let's say early days has been really to be able to sell let's say our project our idea to investors and to do that we have been obliged to go through a seed process with a friend and the entrepreneur and friend which uh, have supported us and by really, let's say, uh, developing uh, the technology and delivering our promises, we have been gradually able to access, uh, let's say, the European venture capital and now also much larger investors that uh, uh, now, you know, make us more visible in the market. But that has been our main uh, issue during the development of the company. Yeah, I think you're definitely not alone in kind of having to figure out capital and, and that being a really major challenge. Um, I want to hear a little bit more. You mentioned, you know, kind of working on that demonstration facility. Are you storing energy on the grid now at that facility in, in Italy or, or kind of how has that you know building process been going as you're trying to get these out into the world? We decided to go directly to build a commercial demonstration facility. So a facility that is working daily into the grid. So it is a 2.5 megawatt, 4 megawatt hour, uh, let's say, plant. The size of the plant has been chosen in order to apply exactly the same technology that we will use on the full scale technology, mm -hmm. but to minimize the capex because of the reason that you know access to capital was not that easy but uh, with that approach we have been able really to to demonstrate to investors that the technology was uh, is working and uh, every visitors which came to the plant uh, was uh, let's say just impressed and they said but that is not a demo this is a plan <laughs> working yes if you want to start just push the button if you want to stop just push the button you can try yourself and that is the best way to get confidence from uh, uh, investors and uh, mainly we have been able to get let's say confidence from investors which are technically sophisticated so all those uh, let's say investors which have deep skill in deep tech mm -hmm. and in technology understand that our technology works works well and as component which are very reliable and can last for 30 plus years great thank you um i want to hop back over to ramya to tell us a little bit more about you know malta's process and and kind of how it's been trying to to build it i know you you all have been around for a little bit longer so i'm curious um what that's looked like and kind of what challenges have come up along the way absolutely and uh, you know i'm struck as my fellow panelists speak about the similarities in many of our not only our journeys but also in the underlying technology they're all um 
sort of, you know, variations on, on a variety of themes. Um, and one of the themes that comes up from, for Malta with respect to um, Energy Dome is very much like that technology. We are really using um, kind of existing subcomponents that have existed at scale in power plants globally for decades. Um, the youngest part, if you want to call it that, of the Malta system is the salt loop. Um, and salt has been used as a medium for storage in power plants, including at the 100 megawatt and above scale for close to a decade now. So that's sort of the, the youngest portion of the system. So very much our journey has been about commercializing the integration of a system based on known and proven subcomponents, which I think is similar to um, what, what the uh, energy dome technology is. In particular, in terms of challenges, one of the things I would say is that um, from our perspective, um, technology is one thing and uh, proving out the technology is one thing, but market is another. And I would say there's actually uh, been more of a barrier, I think, and more of a need for change on the market side. I think there are technologies that are ready to deploy, uh, including the, the folks on, on this particular panel and others more um, besides. But I do think a major challenge for all of us is the fact that markets are not fully ready to absorb long duration energy storage at scale. The mechanisms that value long duration energy storage are not have not yet been deployed. It's a heavily regulated market. So it's really the regulators that need to kind of lead the charge here and create um, a market environment, including a level playing field that really values what long duration storage brings to the table. In addition to that, the um, in many, many markets, uh, electricity is regulated in silos. So typically, for example, generators and transmission can't and don't own each other because it came about from the architecture of an electricity system where you were either a generator, a transmitter, perhaps a distribution asset, like a distribution line, et cetera. Energy storage shares characteristics that cross all of these characteristics. So we're going to need a new regulatory framework that enables long duration storage globally. Thank you. Kemp, why don't you round us out again? Uh, tell us about uh, Renewal, you know, challenges and, and what you guys have, have been able to build so far. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so we have built a prototype that we put into the field uh, that raises and lowers a weight that is 3,000 pounds. Um, which might sound like a lot, but it is not. <laughs> um, and so we are on the cusp of installing our first commercial device, uh, which would be a 30,000 pound weight. Um, so that would come out to about 40 kilowatt hours. Uh, we're very, very excited about that. Uh, that's going to be in California Central Valley. Uh, and then we'll install another system just like it in 2024. And then the, uh, the plan is to install 25 systems like that in 2025. So our little internal catchphrase is 25 and 25. Um, but the main barrier we're facing, um, first, I 100% agree with Ramya. It's a, there needs to be a higher appreciation um, for the way long duration energy storage brings value to the market. Um, and the regulators need to take the first step on that. I am up against some other regulators, which is more on the oil and gas side. Um, I need uh, some regulators always state-based uh, to recognize that the solution I'm bringing to the market uh, is better than the status quo. Um, and so I know that's a bit far afield uh, to talk too much petroleum engineering uh, in this forum, um, but the mentality is more or less the same. Hey, we have something new. We're trying to bring it to market. 
We want you to understand that it's better than the status quo. Here are the reasons why. And we ultimately want to help you. We just need a little help in return. I think you've all sort of started to bring this up in your own ways, but I want to kind of take this head on. Um, obviously, building and running a company takes a lot more than just an interesting idea or like a really solid technology. Um, it takes a lot of capital. Uh, so I wonder if each of you could talk, you're, you're all also kind of at different stages and came from different places. So I, I think people would be really interested to hear about, you know, your funding journey so far and, and kind of how you're looking forward at it too. You know, how have you gotten money? What kind of sources, um, any unconventional ones and what's it looked like? Uh, Ramya, do you want to take that one? It's, I know it's kind of a different situation, but. I'd be glad to, um, and so, yes, we've been around since 2018. Um, we have closed two rounds of funding um, and have had the benefit of having extraordinarily supportive and um, I would say very insightful and skilled investors. Um, you know, a very nice balance of both true financials as well as strategic investors and strategic investors bring to the table their sort of deep knowledge of some aspect, whether it's um, you know, a subcomponent or a technology or actually the market side um, uh, of the power industry, et cetera. So for us, funding at the top co, um, we have had the benefit, I think, of um, having had a, a fair amount of success there. The thing I wanted to really talk about in terms of funding is my view that there is a real white space in the funding area um, that when it comes to scaling up to commercial projects. So in the R&D space, in the what I'd call the true R&D space, when you're first kind of describing a technology, understanding it's, it's approving it out from a performance and cost standpoint, as well as potentially understanding product market fit, there is um, venture capital, there is a fair amount of non-deluta funding that is grant funding in the US from the DOE, in Europe from other sources, et cetera. At the other end of the spectrum, when a technology is fully mature and uh, financeable at scale, the project finance market is deep, it's liquid, it's, you know, it's um, very much uh, a tool that is geared towards funding um, projects with no technology risk. There's a real white space in the middle where venture capital is not the appropriate tool and yet project finance is hesitant to finance the first of a kind in terms of scale-ups. And it's not just about availability of capital, because there's a lot that goes into delivering a project of scale that is not just the funding of the capital stack. It includes the performance guarantees. It includes the indemnifications to uh, the credit backstop, to the indemnifications, to tax equity, among other partners. It includes potentially putting up bonding to the grid interconnection um, uh, organization, as well as potentially the customer. And so all of these things are challenging for a, an emerging technology company, which typically will not have a robust balance sheet. So that is a place I think there's some really meaningful actions that are possible on the part of non-conventional investors, you know, including potentially governments everywhere. And so, Casey, from my perspective, I'd really like to draw attention to that white space because I think it is definitely a place that needs to be solved for the energy transition to happen at scale. Absolutely. Claudia, I want to hear from you as well. Uh, what has your financing journey looked like? And, and do you see that challenge that Ramya pointed out as well? Indeed, I see the same uh, issue that uh, uh, Ramya was, uh, was uh, let's say, explaining. And uh, uh, starting from our early days with our, let's say, first uh, seed round and then the second round and then the Series A, 
I, I have to say that uh, I'm really much more confident right now. So uh, I said that from our corner, which is an Italian-based, uh, let's say, startup, uh, I have to say that now that we are facing the global market uh, in terms of financing, we are by far more excited, you know, because we, we see that there is a lot of more confidence uh, and, you know, I have to say, it's much easier job for us, you know, right now to 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 get to selling, you know, our 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 let's say uh, the strength of our company uh, in the market, and so uh, now I, I think that uh, now you know the financing at top level also for us is something that uh, we have an itinerary we are building. Uh, our first full-scale commercial plant, which will be ready by mid uh, next year, 2024. And uh, in, but uh, I feel that the, the real point is to is really to demonstrate that the long-duration energy storage asset can work in a reliable way in the market and can generate cash flow. It is important for us to show as soon as we can by end of 2024, that we can be cash positive with our business. And now that we see that the access to the market is by far, let's say, more accessible to us, we are looking also to change our business model in order to become asset owner and not only OEM, because we see really the possibility to get access to big ticket, to big, uh, to big availability of capital. The only thing that investors want to see is that there is a business case, a business case that works, that can supply tolling contract to the market that need those tolling contract into the energy storage market at the value that is by far more competitive than lithium-ion batteries. So that is the target that we have. Then there are other issues that I think have to be sold in the market, like the performance guarantees that have been mentioned by Ramia. Those are those kind that uh, uh, those kind of incentives uh, or let's say stimulation that, that the regulator should give to the utilities or some help to the utility in order to take the risk to adopt the new technology because you know as usual utilities are always very let's say uh, conservative they don't they don't like to try anything new even if uh, they feel that the product is good enough uh, they just ask themselves, why have I to be the first mover in the market? I just wait to be the second. So this is the barrier that, in my opinion, the regulator has to, to help to solve. And then we, as technology provider, we have just to demonstrate that the case study exists. Today, not, not all around, there are specific cases where long duration energy storage asset can generate, let's say, faster return. But we just have to show that the business case exists and can produce the right return and the faster return that investors are looking for. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting to not only be coming in with a new technology, but to be you know, part of this really emerging, growing field of, of energy storage on the grid. Um, Kemp, why don't you uh, round us out, tell us out a bit about, you know, your financing journey. Yeah, so Renewal got started in 2020 um, and we <laughs> we won a little bit of money from the university that we were grad students in uh, and we burned through that pretty quick. <laughs> uh, and then we decided we needed to raise uh, more money. So we raised what we call a pre-seed round. Um, 
and we used that to build the prototype and feed ourselves basically. Um, and that was like basically all angels. And then just about mm, seven months ago, we closed our seed round. Uh, that was a little bit more, um, predictable cast and crew, uh, more VCs plus some angels plus some, uh, family offices. Um, but we also got to pair that with, um, a uh, $2.7 million grant from ARPA-E. Um, so it was like a, a nice uh, way to kick off the fundraising. Hey, everybody, we just won this grant um, and we think it's going to you know, help us in the right direction significantly. Um, so now we want to build one commercial device, the one I was talking about previously this year on the brink of installing it uh, and another one next year uh, and then raise a series A and I was imagining that would be made up of you know, more VCs uh, and then probably go after some strategics this time. Um, probably some oil and gas company uh, CVCs is what I had in mind. Uh, but the ideal mix would be like one CVC, one very green VC, um, and then you know maybe space for another. But we, you know, we're very much shooting for a balanced approach and who's funding renewal because we try to be a very purple entity, um, you know, a very, uh, an entity that's sort of pleasing both sides. Um, and so that's what we're looking for. Now I've got a lot to learn, but I, I'm fairly certain that, um, the series A will be mixed, uh, not just equity, maybe some asset backed, uh, debt, um, because we're going to go out and buy a bunch of hardware. So this is one of the, one of the cards that hardware companies get to use. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to figuring out, um, what debt and of what type might be worth integrating into our Series A. Great, thanks. I think each of you brought up needing to make a business case for your technology and, and needing to prove that you know you were something that you know the grid needs. Can you talk a little bit about cost because that's you know the biggest factor I would say or one of the biggest factors for energy storage. Um, so how are you thinking about cost? What are your kind of targets? And and do you think that you need policy in order to kind of make your business case to be on the grid? Uh, Kemp, do you want to, I know you're early stage, but you know, how are you thinking about cost? Sure. Yeah. Our projected capital cost, so dollars per kilowatt hour uh, is $5 um, by 2030. So it's, it's pretty aggressive, but we think we can very much get it. Um, it's got a lot to do with some business model innovation. It's not just pure economies of scale. So we're sort of working through not just, you know, buy it 10,000 times to make it cheaper, um, but also some clever ways to get our costs down. Um, so that's our approach. And like what I said earlier, I need policy on the oil and gas side. I need to be deemed the equivalent of traditional plug and abandonment, which is what is supposed to happen at the end of an oil well's life. Um, and if I don't get that, then, you know, we'll have to figure out another solution. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just for context for those who aren't steeped in the money numbers of energy storage every single day. That's like a really aggressive number, right? I think, you know, lithium ion batteries are $100, $200 a kilowatt hour, depending on what you're counting in the market. And some of these other early stage battery companies say below that. So to say five is, um, you know, you're shooting for the moon here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess they call it a moonshot for more reasons than one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Claudio, can you talk a little bit about Energy Dome and how you guys are thinking about cost? Uh, yeah, so when, when I was speaking about the business cases, I was referring uh, to, uh, let's say, our, uh, let's say, uh, sweet spot is energy shifting. So our business case that we are 
really chasing is daily storage, so energy shifting. We are not competing in the auxiliary, uh, ancillary service, uh, but, uh, and that is what we need. So in order to get a penetration of renewable into the grid uh, to 70 or 80%, uh, the, the, the storage that the grid need is the, is the, is the time shifting. So in that, uh, in that regards, the, the, the time shifting is, uh, is the most relevant, let's say, uh, business case. Today is possible to generate renewables, which is very cheap. With solar, you can generate electricity, which is as cheap as uh, 1.82 cent per kilowatt hour with wind, maybe between two and three cents per kilowatt hour. But uh, the coal, uh, uh, let's say, that the fossil, fossil uh, let's say, electricity is priced between five or six or seven, let's say, cents per kilowatt hour. So it is important for the storage, the cost of storage, to shift the, the, the daily production of solar into, into night is, is important to have a cost of storage that is less than four or five cents. And that is what we aim with our technology. We, we believe that already today with our first of a kind project, we have a, a cost of storage, a cost of time shifting to shift the power from day to night that is in the range of four cents per kilowatt hour. And by economy of scale, by deploying more plant, we will be able to drop that uh, cost uh, by approximately 35-40% in the next uh, couple of, uh, let's say, three years. Uh, Ramya, quickly, uh, the, the cost and how, how you all are thinking about that at Malta. Absolutely. And I think cost is absolutely critical for a number of reasons, right? One is that um, the energy transition kind of at scale to mirror the comments uh, from before about business case, the customer group in this case, that is utilities, IPPs, et cetera, are really looking for a cost competitive solution. So as an OEM, um, we really need to offer to them something that is competitive. And today, anyway, there is not a willingness, I don't believe, at scale to pay what's called a green premium. So I think really all, all the technologies that need to be competitive in the market need to compete on price. And electricity, ultimately, of course, is a commodity. Right. So I think part of the challenge um, for emerging technologies is to identify the specific market segment that supports the cost profile that uh, enables the early deployment cases. In our case, that includes not only using the electricity, but also being able to offer this high quality process heat uh, with which our overall efficiency ends up being 90% or greater. Uh, and then, you know, with deployment, of course, comes a cost down and the cost down and the cost targets. I know we were talking a little bit about numbers before really depends on how many cycles you expect to use a year. Right. So for a daily or weekly type of shifting, that's a very different cost uh, profile than it would be for seasonal or mm -hmm. hundreds of hours of storage. So in that context, we expect to be competitive um, as a daily or weekly cycling asset. Got it. Thanks so much. Um, okay, I think we're almost out of time. So I'd love to hear from each of you uh, why you're excited about energy storage right now um, and why you think everybody should be excited about energy storage right now. 
Um, Ramya, do you want to start I'd us off with to. that one? I'd love to. So um, I think the most remarkable thing that's happened in the electricity business over the last few years is that wind and solar are now the cheapest form of generation. And that for the first time ever, it doesn't really matter whether you believe in climate change, you're asking for policy changes that support green technologies, because the logic of the market means that wind and solar are the choice of generation. That's a remarkable fact. And I think it's a remarkable um, kind of uh, springboard for a green future. And long duration energy storage, in my view, is the linchpin that enables the unleashing of this uh, amazing fact, right? So we've got all this cheap generation in the form of wind and solar. We're now uh, creating a lot of projects that generate a lot of wind and solar, but there is a limit to that. You cannot build a grid out of wind and solar or other intermittent resources. You just can't do it. And what makes it possible? Well, it's long duration storage. So to me, this is the natural next step of a journey that ends in a much greener electricity grid. Well put, thank you. Kemp, anything to add? Why are you excited about energy storage? Well, yeah, Ramya basically nailed it on the head. That was amazing. Um, I would just add in sort of Renewal's extra layer here uh, is that, you know, we really believe that the hydrocarbon foundation of civilization is a redeemable, um, massive amount of value. Um, and we really think that the same people who built that infrastructure could be put to work uh, doing a new thing. And that new thing basically makes no compromises. <laughs> uh, it, it delivers uh, the cleaning up of millions of idle oil and gas wells while building clean energy storage that can do really, really wide, flexible um, uh, output in terms of duration uh, and term. Um, so, yeah, we're very, very motivated um, by sort of looking at it from two lenses, the, the oil and gas side, like, let's clean this up. You know, it needs to be cleaned up and unlocking everything Ramya just said about, you know, delivering wind and solar to power civilization in a new and cleaner and better way. Thank you. And Claudio, final word to you. Why are you excited about energy storage? I'm very excited to be in a sector which is uh, interesting for everyone. When I speak with my child or I speak around with any person, you know, is interested in energy transition. So, and uh, I, I, I totally agree with Ramya that uh, it is a fact that the solar and wind today are the cheapest way to produce electricity. And energy storage is just uh, the, the missing piece in the puzzle of the energy transition. So being uh, in, 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 a, in a market which is potentially that big, that, uh, let's say, uh, impactful for the life of uh, every person around the world is just exciting. And that is something that uh, it is like to be, you know, in the, in the real, let's say, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, really personally, you know, really exciting and very much, uh, let's say, motivating because it looked like that these, you know, the daily work that uh, all the team and the people I'm working with is, uh, is doing is really, really matter for, for everyone. And that, you know, really the, the, the long duration energy storage can really unlock, let's say, a greener future. And uh, hopefully, you know, we will be uh, relevant, you know, in, in that transition. All right. Thank you all so much. I'm going to let you go get back to work. Um, 
thanks for joining me in this conversation. Thank you to the audience. Uh, thank you to all the folks at SOSB and I'll hand it back over to them.